Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Podcast. We're so excited that you're with us today. Today we're going to talk about six ways that your homeschool co-op can be special needs friendly. This is a topic near and dear to my heart, and I hope that we can have just a great time together, and also that you'll walk away with some really practical ideas and tips, and ways that you can make an impact and be a blessing to the homeschooling community, especially those families with special need children. So sometimes special needs are really obvious, like a young boy in a wheelchair or a severely autistic little girl. But other times we don't realize that in our homeschool co-op, Johnny is diabetic or little Susie has dyslexia. And I don't know if your co-op is like our co-op. We only gather a few times a month. It's not like we see each other every day. And so there can be many things going on in people's lives that we don't know about. Now, I'm not saying that families can't keep special needs private because of course they can. And people need to share what they want to share and keep private what they want to keep private. But what I want to do is I want to lay out some ways that homeschooling co-ops can be special needs friendly. And in our co-op, we try to cultivate an environment where all of the students, all of the parents, and all of the teachers thrive. So some of you are listening and you think, well, I have a child with special needs and I just started homeschooling, but what on earth is a homeschool (laughs) co-op? Okay, let me answer that first. For those of you who are new to homeschooling, a homeschool co-op is a group of homeschooling families that come together to share their expertise in teaching courses and then other families get to enjoy that. So we had a homeschool mom that was an architect, and she taught a class on architecture. In our homeschool co-op, my friend Laura is really into science, really into math, so she teaches a lot of science and math classes. I love history, and I'm always researching something to do with history, so of course I teach a lot of history classes. We had two young moms, Sarah and Kate, who one had a communications major, one had an English major, and they were just the perfect ones to teach literature and writing for high school students. So we've just had, like over the years, I've been part of different co-ops. I was part of a co-op when my children were really little, and we just met once a week, and we did some kind of topic, like I think one year we studied state history, and so we didn't do any kind of prep work at home. We just came together that one morning a week, and we just worked on something that was unique. We completed all the work in co-op and went home. Then I had my high schoolers in co-ops where they actually took one of their courses 
at the co-op. So say they might take chemistry at the co-op and they would do their work at home. Then they would go do some kind of, you know, studying of chemistry and then the labs for chemistry. So I know for me, co-ops have been great for science labs and things like that. So when a family comes into a co-op, they participate, they might teach a class, they might babysit teachers' children so that teachers can teach a class. So whatever they do, everyone participates in a co-op. It's cooperative. Like, you know, if you've ever been involved in a um, buying Whole Foods cooperative, I used to do that when I was a young mom, and we would get together and we'd order like 500 pounds of wheat berries and divide them up or things like that. So anyway, that's what a homeschool co-op is. It's just getting together, sharing things that you're good at. So I've really enjoyed homeschool co-ops, especially for the teen years, because it seems like in the teen years, the teens want more fun and they want to be not more fun, not like home isn't fun, but they want to have fun with other people their age. And when our co-op got started, it just was that several families in the church were homeschooling and we just ended up coming together one day a week and that's been really special and really fun and one of the things that we've tried to do to specifically minister to not only special needs family but everyone in our co-op is to cultivate a culture of truth and kindness now what do I mean by that well here is the truth all people are valuable because they are made in the image of God God has a special purpose for each person, regardless of their intellect, regardless of their challenges, regardless of maybe some, you know, emotional or mental struggles or physical struggles. It doesn't matter. Every person has a purpose. Every person is valuable to the Lord, and we're made in His image. So that means no one is left behind, no one is tossed away, because we all really matter, and we're all part of the Lord's purpose. And if you want to delve into that more, I would suggest that you read Psalm 139, and it talks about how God knits people together in their mother's womb. It's just such a beautiful psalm. That's Psalm 139. And also keep in mind Ephesians 2.10, that God has prepared in advance for us good works, which we get to do. And so every person has that. There's no one exempt. And um, even though we have different roles and in in earth, we think of some people as more valuable than others. It's really not true. God is impartial and he sees all people as valuable. So that's a truth that I like to teach and make people aware of. And um, and kindness is a heart issue. So kindness is what's on the inside, wanting to bless other people. And good manners is what's on the outside. It's saying kind words. It's doing kind things. It's making room for people, listening to people talk, um, being patient with people who take longer to do things. So how do you cultivate that kindness and truth? Well, one thing is that you model 
handle it. You know, if I'm leading a co-op and I'm not placing high value on people because they're made in the image of God, people will kind of catch that attitude. If I'm being polite and kind, people will catch that attitude. So, you know, what I'm doing, people will kind of catch what I'm doing. But then I want to practically teach it. I want to say, hey, did you know all of us are made in the image of God and we're all valuable and we all have a purpose? And I want to inspire people. Let's live up to that. Let's ask God to fill our hearts with kindness. Let's be polite and kind, you know, constantly inspiring people. I make it a point to praise people who go out of their way to cultivate this atmosphere of truth and kindness. And also, I open my um, co-op every week with a very short um, time of prayer and sometimes I say a few words and so like if I'm seeing things that maybe need we need to grow in I'll just mention something like hey you know what don't forget all of us are made in the image of God and we all have value and then open in prayer and addressing bad behavior you know one of the blessings of homeschooling for me is that my children never had to face name calling and put downs and all the things that made um, school a bad experience for some people and there were pockets of that for me and so I didn't ever want my children to experience that so if I'm going to go to a homeschool co-op I don't want bad behavior. I don't want name calling. I don't want people making fun of other people, you know, because that's, there's no reason to put up with that. I mean, that's why we left the public school system to homeschool partly is for our children to be raised in an environment that builds them up and doesn't tear them down. So that's the first thing, cultivate a culture of truth and kindness. And the second way that you can have your homeschool co-op be special needs friendly is to address special needs at the information meeting. I know that most homeschool co-ops have a meeting where all the parents get together and they talk about the coming year and they talk about the rules and they talk about, okay, we're going to bring lunches or, you know, these are the responsibilities. So do that. Talk about the special needs at the information meeting and address that. Bring up special needs and maybe say if your child does have special needs that we need to know about, like maybe they're in a wheelchair, maybe they're diabetic and they might need to, uh, we need to make sure their blood sugar stays stable. Maybe they need to take their blood sugar at a certain time or maybe you know that your child is dyslexic and sometimes needs some specific help with any kind of learning disability, then open that up so that people can come to the leaders of the homeschool co-op and say, this is what our needs are. And the homeschool co-op can see if they can address that. So that's the second thing, address special needs at the information meeting. And that way you're kind of putting it out there like, hey, we want to know if you have special needs, come to us. Also, when teachers are choosing to teach, and you know, a lot of times teachers fill out like a form and this is what I want to teach and this is what I'll do and these are the requirements and all of that. When they fill out those forms to teach, 
have a question on the forms or if you're just talking to teachers, ask them this question in person. Um, what about alternatives for special needs students? Like if you had a special needs student, would you provide alternatives? Now what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. We have a special needs student in our homeschool co-op that's on the spectrum. And so Laura was teaching him biology and instead of him having to take the written text which is so distracting she allowed him to take an oral test so he had to answer all the questions and that way there was not the distraction of is my writing neat enough you know uh oh my paper's crooked oh there's noise here but it could just help him to process and regurgitate the knowledge that we knew he definitely had so he did really well on that for the same student, my husband, who was teaching a Bible class, he extended deadlines for him because he couldn't always get everything done, not because he didn't want to or wasn't working or had a bad attitude, but he just had things that made it hard for him to get all his work done. Another thing, for example, someone who has uh, reading disabilities or visual disabilities, audiobooks is a great alternative to reading books, and I think you can find almost anything on audiobooks now. Those are the first three things. Cultivate a culture of truth and kindness. Number two, address needs at the first information meeting. And number three, ask teachers about alternatives for special needs students in their classes. And now I just want to tell you about something that I'm so excited about. Now, if you're listening to this in six months or you're listening to this in a year, this has already happened, but there might be an annual one. I'm hoping this goes so well that it becomes an annual thing. But my friend Terry McGee is hosting the very first homeschooling special needs online conference. And this is so exciting. And I have to tell you, I was so honored to speak there because like I said, this topic is near and dear to my heart. So this conference is the Homeschooling Special Needs Online Conference, and it's going to be held July 21st, 2020. One of the keynote speakers, this is so cool, is Temple Grandin, and she is a world-famous autism advocate. She actually has autism herself. She's an amazing, amazing woman. So I'm just so excited to encourage and inspire parents who are homeschooling their special needs children and teens because I really believe that that is the best way to go if you have a special needs child. Now, I'm not saying everyone has to do it. I'm just saying I think it's such a good way to homeschool your kids. So anyway, this whole conference is only $22. And once you sign up, you have a lifetime, not a year, a lifetime access to all the sessions, all the keynote speakers, plus coupons and printables and freebies are in the swag bag and there's a private media group. So all of this is so exciting. And I have two talks in the conference, and one of my talks is on how to build a support system for your special needs child. And another talk is how to homeschool teens with emotional special needs like depression, PTSD, anxiety, things like that. So anyway, I hope that you will check it out. If you look in the show notes, there is a link to the conference. Just go to the show notes. This is 
podcast episode 116, Finish Well. It's called Six Ways for Your Homeschool Co-op to Be Special Needs Friendly. Just go to the show notes. You'll see a link there. Just click on it, and it will take you right to the website. Okay, so we're back to our topic, which is Six Ways for Your Homeschool Co-op to Be Special Needs Friendly. So this is number four. Have a special needs section in the registration packet. And just say, do your children have any special needs? Will that impact them being in the homeschool co-op? You might want to say, is there anything we can do to serve you? But don't say that if you're not willing to do that. So, you know, I just suggest that you just ask about the special needs. Again, that's really simple. You just add that to the registration packet. If someone fills out a registration packet and they have that in the registration that they have special needs, Then this is my number five tip, and that's to approach those families with special needs. And you might approach them and and say, hey, what are your needs? What is your family like? And get the conversation going. Maybe little Micah has seizures, so you need to know what to do if little Micah has seizures in the classroom. Maybe he has a seizure dog, and that dog will be attending class. But there are certain rules with dogs that are service dogs in how other people can interact with those dogs. So all of that, you just want to get the conversation going, find out what their needs, and find out how this is going to impact the co-op. Because we did have a service dog for years in our homeschool co-op, and it went really well. But we first had to have like a little session the first day that the dog came in who was allowed to touch him, you know, because it's very important that a service dog be very bonded to its um, master. And so eventually you can, the way it worked with ours, and every service dog is different, but the kids were allowed to touch it, but they had to ask permission from the little girl that he belonged to. Okay, so then we finally come to our sixth tip, and that's Make sure that the physical environment of your homeschool co-op is special needs friendly. So what do I mean? Say you have a special needs student in a wheelchair. Are all the places that this student will be, are they, is there room for him to get around? I know I've taught in some homeschool co-op um, classrooms where they've been so tiny there hasn't been much room to move around. So are the classrooms set up so he can get in and out easily and fully participate? Is there a place that little Susie can test her blood sugar privately if she doesn't feel well and she thinks maybe her blood sugar is out of whack? Is there room in the classroom for the service dog? And what if the teacher is allergic to dogs? That's not going to work out. So you just need to figure out all those things, but make sure that the environment is special needs friendly. Now, in one of my sessions that I just recorded for the online conference I was talking about, I talked about PTSD and just how people who maybe are triggered and they have a reaction, that's what happens with PTSD, are they going to be safe if they have a reaction? Is the environment calm or are they going to be given permission to get up and leave and to go um, sit in a quiet room? So those are just all the things that you have to think about when you think about the physical environment. And finally, I want to talk about the big picture. So why does this matter? What What is the big deal about, you know, making our homeschooling co-op 
be special needs friendly? Well, one, it's just a great way to serve people. And it says about Jesus that he did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve. So it allows us to be like Jesus. And then secondly, our culture is getting more and more evil, especially in one area that terrifies me. And that's that our culture is beginning to believe that some people have more value than other people. And hey, if you have a baby that something is, quote, wrong, unquote, with it, you just get rid of it. You just abort it. It's so important for Christians to stand for life. All life is precious to God from the womb to the old age. And those with special needs, especially severe special needs, are a gift from God to us that reminds us that all life is precious in God's sight and ours too. So I hope that these tips I gave, these six tips, are really helpful for you and that you will be able to make your homeschool co-op such a blessing for everyone who is part of it, especially your special needs families. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.